Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in abundance. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. As a nation, we recently celebrated 243rd Independence Day. It means we continue to grow. And this nation, under the providence of God, is blessed, is prosperous, and when God blesses us and makes us prosperous, we need to be generous. Because when God gives us, we need to give out to the people of God. And we do that as a nation. I mean, we know we are scattered all over the world doing good. Sometimes it's messy, but sometimes it's all good. And so we pray that God will continue to be the source of hope for our nation and that we as the people called Americans will continue to trust in God because there is not much else we could do but to trust in the God who takes care of us. So... Belated, happy independence. Don't forget to pray for the leaders of the nation. And don't forget to pray for your brothers and sisters, wherever they are. As long as they are called Americans, we pray for them. And so we start this series of messages from First Peter. First Peter is largely concerned with Christian attitude towards undeserved suffering. How do we feel when we suffer, especially as Christians? And this was possibly due to the fact that persecution of Christians was becoming common around the time of Emperor Nero. A lot of Christians were being persecuted. It's not that they are not being persecuted today. Because all over the world, you will find pockets of Christians who are experiencing persecution. You will find people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who are not able to worship Jesus Christ in the open, as we do. You will find places where People come in their hundreds to talk about Jesus. The irony is that we in America, we are free to worship. But I can tell you, the only thing that makes the ballparks empty on Sunday is the rain. 
Because if you go to the ballparks, you find a lot of Christians. At times, more Christians than you will find within the walls of the sanctuary. And guess what? We have the freedom to worship. We take it for granted. First Peter was addressed to Christians scattered. It's one of the epistles you call the general epistle because it is not written to a specific church. Like Paul will write a letter to the Romans. Paul will write a letter to the Thessalonians. He would write a letter to the Galatians, the Philippians. But First Peter is a general epistle written to Christians all over, and in this case, it is Christians who were suffering, and Peter wanted to check their attitude toward undeserved suffering. When you hear the word suffering, what comes to mind? We all have, we all have different emotional feelings. Suffering. The word suffering appears 16 times in this epistle. It is an epistle of five chapters. Suffering appears 16 times. And six of those references were references about Jesus who suffered for us. Peter addresses the appropriate response of a Christian suffering and the Christian experience in persecution based on the examples of Jesus Christ. Peter let us know that Jesus suffered for us. And yes, Christians from the first century of our faith have gone through that. And he further stresses hope for all in the midst of suffering. In other words, suffering is not the end of the journey. There is always hope. There is always hope. I mean, you go back to Calvary, and you go back to the tomb of Jesus Christ, and guess what? There came hope, because there was a resurrection. And Christians should always believe that no matter what we go through, we can hope in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Suffering is anything which hurts or irritates. I think the first word we got this morning to the question, when you think about suffering, what comes to mind is hurt. And we go through it. In the design of God, it is also something that makes us think. It is a tool God uses to get our attention and to accomplish his purpose in our lives. And that is hard for us to understand, that God can use suffering to achieve his purpose. My friends, if you believe in God, accept it. That God allows the sufferings experienced by people in a way that would never... A good example in the scripture is Job. 
Job, as we know, was perfectly comfortable as a righteous individual, someone who feared God, someone who was really connected with God in the proper way. But just remember what Job went through. Do you remember Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary? He suffered. So suffering is not something we just look at and say, you suffer because you are a sinner. It's like the man who was born blind. And Jesus and his disciples were going through their mission. And the disciples look at the man and ask Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind? Who sinned that this man is suffering? And Jesus said, so that God's name will be glorified. We go through suffering, my friends. People experience suffering in a different way or shape and form. It may, it may be cancer. It may be a sore throat. It may be the illness or loss of someone close to you. It may be a personal failure or disappointment in your job, in your school, or just at home. It may be the rumor circulating to really damage your reputation and bring in you grief and anxiety. People suffer in various shapes and forms for various reasons. And so Peter wrote his epistle. And the first three verses of the first chapter, number one, we learn about the author. The scriptures say it was Peter who was an apostle of Jesus Christ. As simple and straightforward as you could find it. It was Peter who was an apostle of Jesus Christ. We all know about Peter. We know that Peter was one of the disciples in the inner circle of Jesus' ministry. We all know about Peter that he was the one who denied knowing Jesus Christ during the preach the first. We all know about Peter that he preached the first Christian sermon on the day of Pentecost. We all know that after preachers, after Peter's sermon, 3,000 people believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we all know that Peter was appointed a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and later he became a sent individual by Jesus himself, and the title changed from being an, a disciple to an apostle. So it is this Peter that we're talking about. It is the Peter who was a friend to John Mark, the guy who wrote the Gospel of John. It is the Peter to whom Jesus says, on this rock I will build my church. It is the Peter who was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified as his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is the Peter who is the foundation, humanly speaking, 
of the priesthood of believers. And he says to you, I have credentials, in other words. I am an apostle, a sent individual of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have the author. But then secondly, you have the audience. Because Peter says, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. These people were all over the place. They were refugees all over the place. These are the people Peter wants to encourage. Because when you are not in your homeland, you are not at peace. And especially when you profess the name of Jesus Christ and been persecuted for your faith. Somebody has to be there. I mean, today you can read about the church taking care of refugees all over the world. You can read about churches that are housing migrants, even in our nation. The church is always open to embrace the less fortunate. And here Peter says to them, I know you are suffering, but there is hope. So we have the author, Peter. We have the audience, those Christians who were exiled. And then we have an affirmation. And this is what Peter says to them in verse 3. Those who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. And then he says to them, grace and peace be yours in abundance. In that verse, we have the Trinity affirmed. Because in the first place, Peter says, you guys have been chosen, you exiles, you guys have been suffering, you have been chosen, says Peter, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And so first, Peter presented them the head of the Trinity, God the Father. You've been chosen by God. The God who knows everything chose you. I know you are suffering. I know things are not the way they should be. But remember, says Peter, you are not alone. You are special, in other words. You are special. How many people in the world can say they've been chosen by God? But those of us who are Christians, we are all created by God, so God is our Father. But then, yes, some of us are adopted by God because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We confess our faith in him. We accept him as our personal savior. So we are grafted into the family of God, not only by creation, but also by adoption. And Peter says to the exiles, you have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And then Peter says, this happened through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. So you are not only surrounded or embraced by God the Father, the Creator, 
but the sustainer, the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit is there with you. And then he concluded by saying, all this has happened so that you be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Oh, my friends, we are covered. We are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let the church say amen. amen. Things happen. Things happen. But at the end of the day, as a Christian believer, you know you are covered. Peter says, we need to be obedient to Jesus Christ. We are sprinkled with his blood. And Peter concludes by saying to each and every one of us, grace and peace be yours in abundance. My friends, one may think that because these were chosen and sanctified people, obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, life and living should be easy for them. Oh, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, everything should be smooth sailing. Check the calendar. It doesn't go that way. Scattered because these Christians were suffering as exiles. Scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. They were all there scattered. I mean, we've seen pictures of refugees. We've seen pictures of migrants. So just imagine these Christians scattered throughout the province and suffering. Oh, we sometimes suffer because we live in a fallen world. We are seeing reigns in the hearts of men. We sometimes suffer because of our own foolishness. We sometimes suffer because it is God's way of disciplining us. I mean, and, and that is, you can find reference of that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. Especially, my friends, we may suffer persecution because of our faith, especially when we take a stand on biblical issues. Many people have suffered because they took a stand. In the first century of the Christian faith, many were martyred, many were persecuted, destroyed, burnt. I mean, in AD 64, in the city of Rome, that happened. Under the emperorship of Nero, Christians were put on flame in the city of, Rome's, of Rome. Yes, my friends, suffering is hard. It is never easy. Regardless of what we know and how hard we apply the principles to get our suffering low or minimized, it hurts. And it is going to cause pain. Sometimes sorrow and even grief. It is no child's play when somebody suffers. 
It is no child's play. In the 21st century, this struggle continues. And our life in this world often seems like a mess, actually. It is filled with confusion, with suffering, and with death. An unexpected disease shatters our plans. I mean, family after family, people after people. A pink slip slams the door on a career that we thought was so promising. We go through it, each individual in a different way. We are continually reminded, if not ridiculed, that we do not have what it takes to succeed. We hear the high-pitched voices. The, we see the angry faces. We experience the criticism. And sometimes all to destroy someone's self-esteem. So we can identify with the Apostle Peter and all those first century Christians who were persecuted for simply trusting in Jesus Christ. We long, my friends, for a word of comfort and consolation. Oh, we are looking for it every day. And we are told that the church is meant to be a refuge for those who are suffering. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the church, because who are the church? We are the church. And you are not the church of Jesus Christ only when you are within the building. You are the church wherever you, you are. And we are told constantly that the church is meant to be a refuge for those suffering. When a member is hurting, my friends, the church applies the bandage. When a member is down, the church becomes the encourager. When a member is in need, the church comes alongside to help. We are different from a lot of other institutions. And Peter realizes that Christian believers, we are focusing on their present suffering. And at times we do that because we don't see beyond the suffering as a Christian. Peter wants them to readjust their thinking. Their thinking. This readjustment will allow them to stand firm in God's who have gone through experiences of suffering. It was in 1967, and this, is a, this, this has become a familiar story. Joni Erickson and her sister rode their horses, and they went to swim. And you know what happened to Joni. She became disabled. And at times, Joni was angry with God because she believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, demanding to know why God would let that happen. Even at times, 
wishing she did not survive. And you have people like that all over the world. They go through it. But in the years since, Joni had learned that it is in our weakness that God's strength can shine through. Oh, I think Job learned that lesson well. Oh, I think Jesus learned that lesson well as a human being. Elijah learned that lesson well as a prophet. It is in our weakness, it is in our suffering that, yes, God's name will be glorified. Joni had been a source of enormous blessing to people all over the world as she shares her faith, the faith that sustains her. And so, my friends, God's children never go down in defeat because they have a Savior, they have a Redeemer, they have the Christ. Victory through defeat is the watchword of faithful Christians. After all, Paul says to the church in Rome, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, my friends, just when the world is counting you out, guess what? Jesus counts you in. Amen? Just when others say that you are finished, that's when Jesus says, we're just getting started. Because if Jesus is in control, all is not lost. We may give up hope. The disciples gave up hope in the Garden of Gethsemane, but Jesus never gave up hope, my friends. Just when you thought there was no way out, you discover a way in. A way into his blessings. A way into his mercy. A way into his joy. A way into his promises. A way into his son, Jesus Christ. We turn our defeat into victories and we count it all joy. Yes, we suffer. Christians suffer all over from the first century to the 21st century. We will continue to suffer until our Lord and Savior comes. But in the present time, remember, remember, remember there is hope. Amen? There is hope. My hope is rested in my faith in Jesus Christ. The writer of the hymn says, my faith or my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. Yeah, you are contemporary people. <laughs> Do you believe in him this morning? We're going, to, we're going to take communion. And communion, for us Methodists, the bread, the juice, the wine, these are elements representing his body and his blood. And Jesus says, whenever you do it, 
you do it in remembrance of me. And when you remember him, my friends, I hope you find hope in his name. There is no defeat in the name of Jesus. There is always victory. We suffer now. But remember, as long as you trust him, you will never be defeated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God's victorious people say, Amen. Amen.